April 1997. Topcoat draped over his arm, Senator Matt O'Brien, make that ex-senator, steps out of the VIP waiting room at Andrews Air Force Base into the cool night. Glancing over his shoulder, he raises his briefcase in farewell to the small group looking on from the doorway and mounts the steps to the vice president's plane. At the top, O'Brien turns and shouts, Thanks for the loan of your wheels. A voice from the darkness yells back, I wish I were going with you, Matt. Good luck and have a safe trip. O'Brien stepped through the open hatch, almost bumping into the lieutenant who stood waiting just inside the plane. Welcome aboard, Senator, she reached for his coat. Let me take that, and I'll stow your briefcase if you'd like. He handed her the coat. Uh, I'll hang on to the briefcase. I've got a lot of work to do. She smiled. You'll have plenty of time, Senator. It's a long way to Sarajevo. The door to the cockpit opened and a tall, slender man with eagle insignias pinned to his epaulets ducked through the doorway into the main cabin. He touched his uniform cap. Uh, Glad to have you aboard, Senator. Uh, I'll be driving tonight. Uh, We'll try to avoid the potholes. Thanks, Colonel. O'Brien glanced around, nodding slowly in approval at the leather-upholstered lounge chairs bolted to the deck. (laughs) The perks of being assigned to a presidential mission. Well, I'll miss squeezing into the middle of three seats across. O'Brien was a shade under six feet, but the pilot towered above him. How many frequent flyer miles do I log on this trip? The colonel scratched at his mustache. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, We're we're routed over the pole. We come south over Norway, the Austrian Alps. Uh, We start our descent over Vukovar. O'Brien raised a palm. (laughs) Sorry, I asked. I'll buckle in and be quiet. Ten minutes later, the plane was roaring down the runway. O'Brien opened the notebook on his lap. Its cover read, International Committee on Missing Persons in Bosnia. He glanced out the window at the fading lights of the city, his thoughts carrying him back to the day he stood at the podium on the Senate floor, pleading with members of his own party, his own party for Christ's sake, to support his efforts to stop the murder and raping of civilians in Bosnia, force the release of thousands reported to be wasting away in concentration camps. Let it go, Matt, they had told him. We can't police the world. We haven't got the money. It'll cost you your seat. But he couldn't let it go. Any more than the hotshot whirlybird pilot who'd plucked him out of that mud hole of a VC prison could let it go. Ignoring his CO screeching on the horn, ordering him to get the hell out of there. He was worried that his $200,000 government-issued fan would get shot to pieces. Well, here he was, breathing the pressurized air in a luxury-fitted 707 while that pilot rested in Arlington. No, he couldn't let it go. Well, they were right about one thing. It did cost him his seat. O'Brien took from his briefcase a folder the State Department had prepared, briefly reviewing recent Balkan history. He glanced at the opening sentences. The Kingdom of Yugoslavia was made up of Slovenia, Croatia, Serbia, Macedonia, and Bosnia-Herzegovina. When the Germans invaded in 1941, the Yugoslavian king escaped to England. Croatia willingly aligned itself with Hitler, and all of Yugoslavia was under German occupation for the duration of the war. A guerrilla group, the Partisans, refused to submit to the Germans, led by Josip Broz, the man who called himself Marshal Tito. And with arms supplied by the Allies, the partisans effectively sabotaged the occupying forces. When, at the end of World War II, 
The partisans drove the Germans and Italians out. Tito was the logical person to take charge of the official Yugoslavian government. Although Tito was a communist, he was not a rigid Marxist. O'Brien closed the folder and stuffed it back in his briefcase. <laughs> Nothing here he didn't already know.